what if I told you that most of the people that you know will spend eternity in hell because of a lie that they believed in for most of their lives? That's a pretty tough question. That we will get to in just a second. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Millennial God. My name is Pat Samuels, and here we seek an answer to the question, who is God in modern America? But we also answer a lot of other questions, and we kind of help Christians navigate culture, politics, and religion in America today. Uh, just a reminder to go hit subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you're listening, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you can, leave us a review because we would love to hear from you. Uh, all right, so kind of getting into it. One of the most common phrases that I hear from people whenever I'm talking to them about God or about religion is they say, quote, well, I believe that I'll go to heaven or you'll go to heaven as long as we're good, we're good people. Uh, they think that as long as they do more good than bad, uh, as, they're, as long as they're generally friendly to people, uh, as long as they're kind to people in their mind, they think that that's all it takes to uh, get to heaven. And unfortunately, this is one of our greatest lies in society today because, quite frankly, there's no such thing as a good person, right? So in Mark 10, 18, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. And of course, you know, now that we've been reading the Bible, uh, we're familiar with the Old and New Testament, we know that Jesus was in fact God, but he was getting at a much bigger point, which is uh, that only God is good. God defines what is right and wrong, and so he is the only one uh, that has been able to live up to that standard, or Jesus was the only one who was able to live up to that standard while he was on earth. Uh, for the rest of us, we have all fallen short. Uh, in Romans 3.23, it says, for all fall short of the glory of God. Uh, and so we know that nobody meets that standard for right and wrong, except for God and Jesus whenever he was on the earth. Uh, and so in order to understand sort of why Jesus came and died for us, we first have to understand what is morality, right? Uh, this is a, a topic that I've gone through uh, a few times now, uh, and, but I really want to na narrow it down to the question of will people, good people go to heaven? Because I think this is a really big lie in our society right now. And so to talk about morality, there's a lot of definitions out there. You can go to different philosophers or different religions or really just about anybody in society, I think, has their own definition of morality. But really, let's just boil it down to right and wrong, good and bad. So morality being moral would be doing the right thing and being a good person. Immoral would be doing the wrong thing, being a bad person. Let's just boil it down uh, to those two qualifiers just to make everything simple. All right. So in order for morality to exist, it can't be created by humans. This is a point that I've brought up a few times now, because if humans are the ones who decide what morality is, then morality is inherently subjective, right? That means that uh, if you and I both have our own understanding of morality, who can decide what is right and wrong, because we both can decide what is right or wrong. And so there must be some sort of supreme objective object or entity that decides what is right and wrong, if we're going to believe in morality. Now, you can certainly make the argument, or I've heard the argument that morality doesn't exist, right? There's plenty of people who think there's no such thing as being a good or bad person. There's no such thing as being right or wrong, moral or immoral. And I suppose you can believe that. Uh, however, I would be willing to bet that the conscience in the back of your mind is probably telling you different whenever you do immoral actions, right? Uh, and so because morality uh, has to be 
objective uh, and because uh, there is no such thing as objective morality created by humans, uh, God must be the decider of right and wrong. He must be the decider of morality. And so since morality can't be relative and God must be the decider of morality, what is the standard that he uses? Well, uh, in the Old Testament, he gives over 600 laws to the Jews. Uh, for example, you know, before Jesus ever said, love your neighbor as yourself, it was actually stated in Leviticus 19. Well, today I don't want to use all 600 plus laws. Uh, I don't want to use uh, quite a few of those. What I really want to use is just the Ten Commandments, because I think that the Ten Commandments are a good foundation for us to understand biblically, uh, but also because they are very simple and pretty black and white uh, understanding of morality and what God intended for people here on earth. So on earth. So uh, what I want to do is go through each of the Ten Commandments, and then we'll sort of look at ourselves and decide whether we have fulfilled those Ten Commandments or whether we've uh, broken those Ten Commandments, right? So uh, number one in the Ten Commandments, you can find these in Exodus 20 or in Deuteronomy 5. Uh, so number one says, you shall have no other gods before me. And so what God's getting at here is not only uh, is he not wanting you to worship, you know, Allah or become a Buddhist and things like that. He's also talking about things in our own lives that become gods, right? Things that we prioritize over God. Uh, really what it, it comes down to is, is God the king in your life or not? And so if things like money or family or relationships, even friends, any of these things are a priority in your life over God, those are gods before him. Uh, so that's breaking the first commandment. Second commandment is you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, right? So really it's just talking about not having uh, or idolizing some sort of carved image. So we see this a lot actually in the Christian church where uh, people look to the symbol of the cross. Obviously, uh, we all recognize the symbol of the cross as sort of a Christian um, a Christian object, but a lot of times people can get sidetracked and start almost idolizing the cross itself right, rather than idolizing Jesus who died on the cross, right? Uh, number three is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. All right, so this is one that I think a lot of people misunderstand. So there's kind of two pieces to taking the Lord's name in vain. The first piece is what most of us are familiar with, and that's saying something like, oh my God, or almost using uh, the Lord's name in vain, using the phrase God or the term God as a curse word. So that's one way that people use the Lord's name in vain. But another common way that we see the Lord's name in vain used in vain is saying, uh, God told me to do something or uh, God, I felt like I needed to do this for God or something like that. And it's not actually biblical. It's not actually what God intends, right? Uh, and so you can see this a lot in like false pastors whenever they're saying, well, God told me to tell the people this, and it's something that is completely uh, opposing what God actually wants. You also see it uh, throughout history, right? A lot of times uh, people look at the Crusades as like a horrible example of Christ Christianity, uh, but the Crusades is actually a great example of using the Lord's name in vain. They were, you know, mass killing a ton tons of innocent people uh, saying that, it was their role as Christians to do so. That is taking the Lord's name in vain, uh, sort of in a historical example. All right, number four, 
Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. All right, so the fourth commandment, the Sabbath, is a fairly controversial issue inside of Christianity because uh, some people will say that there's a new covenant, that uh, Jesus didn't take a Sabbath or he didn't practice the Sabbath, and therefore uh, we don't have to practice the Sabbath. Well, uh, I'm not going to get into the specifics of uh, whether or not that's true. That's kind of a later episode that we're going to be talking about here soon uh, is the Old Testament law and whether or not that still applies. But uh, for right now, we'll just leave it at that, that it is one of the commandments that you should take a Sabbath day. Uh, all right. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Uh, obviously, you know, I think that boils down to a lot of things, but uh, really, you know, are you honoring uh, your parents and what you do, what you say, that kind of thing. Uh, sixth commandment is you shall not murder. Seventh is you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Uh, nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I'm kind of skimming through these because I think those are fairly black and white, self-explanatory. Uh, and then number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife uh, or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor. So really what that's getting at is you should not look at something that somebody else has and think to yourself, I, I deserve that more than they do. I should have what they have because uh, at the, the end of the day, their life is not your life uh, and, and you are working for what you produce, what you have. Uh, sort of side note here, this is a big problem with uh, socialism. There are Christians out there who believe that socialism is a uh, sort of Christian fundamental belief. But uh, if we look at the 10th commandment, we can see that coveting something that is somebody else's uh, is clearly not in line with what God wanted from us. Uh, and so that's kind of a problem with socialism, but uh, that's a side note. So getting back to the 10 commandments themselves, the question here, uh, whenever we return to the idea of morality is, have you ever broken any of these commandments? And even more so than that, uh, you should ask yourself, uh, have you ever even thought about breaking these commandments? Because in Matthew 5, 27 and 28, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so what he's getting at there is that God really looks at the sinfulness inside of our own hearts, not just our actions, but he knows exactly what's going on in your mind and your heart. And so if you've committed, uh, you've broken any of the Ten Commandments just by thinking about them, uh, then, then you are guilty of the, the sin itself. Um, and listen, I am by no means uh, judging you here. Look, I've, I've broken plenty of these myself. Uh, you know, I'm a sinful person just like everybody else. Um, and you may be thinking to yourself, well, you know, yes, all these Ten Commandments are true. And yes, I have broken those. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm still not a bad person. Uh, but the problem is that just like in a judge in a court, God isn't going to judge you based on your good deeds. He's going to judge you based on whether or not you broke the law. Uh, and so if we compare it to something like uh, a bank robbery, right? If you go into a, a bank and you rob the bank and then you get caught uh, and you're in the courtroom and the judge is deciding whether you're guilty or not guilty, uh, you, you can't use the defense of, well, you know, yes, I did break, I, I broke into this bank and I robbed the bank, but I also uh, guided traffic in my church parking lot, or I uh, spent time picking up trash on the side of the road, or I was generally friendly to everybody that I met, right? None of those are going to 
validate or correct for the fact that you did rob that bank. And so whenever we look at God's uh, law and his understanding of morality, he's not looking at your good deeds. He's not thinking, he's not taking into consideration whether you were a friendly person to everybody. He's looking at, did you break the law? Yes or no. And the fact of the matter is that we are all guilty of breaking the Ten Commandments and all of, a lot of God's laws. Um, and so because of that, uh, the only way to become good in God's eyes, to become moral in God's eyes, uh, is to give control of your life to Jesus. Because he says, uh, in the Bible it says, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so once Christ lives in you, uh, because of he died on the cross for all of us, that's whenever you're able to become good in God's eyes and, uh, you know, ultimately uh, enter heaven. But uh, really, whenever we get asked the question or we think about the question, will good people go to heaven? I think there is two answers that we have to really provide to people or think through ourselves. First one uh, is that there are no good people because like I said, all people fall short of the glory of God, right? So we've all sinned. Uh, we all break the 10 commandments. We are all inherently immoral. Uh, and so there is no such thing as good people because only God himself is good. Uh, and the second answer is that if you believe that you do more good than bad, uh, that you're friendly and kind to most people, uh, then what you're doing is you're ultimately trying to supersede God's definition of right and wrong with your own understanding of morality, your own understanding of right and wrong for yourself. Uh, and not only that, but you're defining it in a way that makes you feel like you'll go to heaven. So uh, essentially, you are defining right and wrong for yourself, and then you're defining it in a way that makes you feel good about yourself rather than saying, well, God must be the supreme authority of right and wrong. He must be the decider uh, of morality because he is the only uh, superhuman being in the universe. And so uh, rather than looking to him to decide what is right and wrong or establish his law, uh, we're trying to establish our own law that decides morality that makes us feel good about ourselves. Uh, but the truth is that God will not judge you based on your standards. He's going to be, uh, judge you based on his standards. Uh, and so if you keep believing the lie that uh, good people to go to heaven, uh, then unfortunately, I've got some bad news for you. Uh, you will uh, end up falling short uh, of what God's standard is because we can never meet exactly what God intended. Um, and that's why we need Jesus. So uh, as I wrap this up, I just pray that uh, you take that into consideration. Uh, if, you, if you're watching this right now and you're thinking to, self, to yourself, well, uh, I've always been a good person. I always thought I was a good person. Um, please know that if you have broken any of the commandments, we've all fallen short of what God intended for us. Uh, and so uh, going from here, uh, you know, I just ask that you consider uh, making Jesus king of your life rather than uh, making your own understanding of morality uh, or, or determining morality for yourself. I just recommend that uh, you look to Jesus and look to God uh, as the ultimate decider of right and wrong, and that you let Jesus be the king of your life. God bless. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Millennial God podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a review. Uh, if you ever want to reach out, you can find us anywhere on social media. And you can also send us an email at millennialgodpodcast at protonmail.com. That's millennialgodpodcast at protonmail.com.